As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello all and welcome to the 69th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I cannot believe we were one short of 7-0. I'm Michael Bailey and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, 7, Heaven and Preston. We'll work through all this and more with our guests this fine Wednesday morning. And they are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own lovely dear Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. Thanks. Nice intro. You're welcome. <laughs> and also uh, joining us, our own Scottish maestro, commentator and journalist supreme, tastes better than a turkey supreme, Stuart Hodge. Hello there, chaps. Do you know, do you want to know something interesting? I am closer to that beautiful place of, of heavenly football that you you were last night covering the game, Michael. I'm actually closer to Carroll Road this morning than you guys are. Are you? I am indeed. How exciting. Yes. I'm in a hotel. I wouldn't name the brand, but uh, it's very, very close to the ground. So I love it. I'm, I'm glad you're not squatting or something. So that's grand. Well done. Well, that, that is good. And this is <laughs> uh, sort of a, a slightly dodgy area in Norwich sometimes. So, yeah. How dare you? As if they exist. There aren't any. What are you talking about? <laughs> As we alienated everyone from the get-go. Fun, fun, and, fun. And you're wearing a delightful Norwich City scarf as well, um, which which certainly works if I vocalise that. No, do you know what? It had to be done. Like, even though the video of this podcast is not a particularly prevalent factor, it just wouldn't have felt right to me if I wasn't wearing something, even though I'm now feeling quite warm. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't last night, I can tell you that much. Um, it was cold, stupid weather for the time of year. Like Easter, Easter Tuesday, as I've dubbed it, ridiculous. Um, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank you to all of you out there. I hope you're well. Um, I hope you've had more sleep than me. I'm on a, I'm on two hours at the moment, so you, your forgiveness is um is basically um welcome in advance. Um, how are we, Steve? I guess you work quite late as well. I got to get the impression. It worked, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's work, it's work. Yeah, a late night for me is uh, is very different to uh, a late night for most people when they've got a when they've got a week off. Um, yeah, but no, uh, quite a lot to to digest, wasn't there? And I, I have managed to catch up on more sleep uh, than you by the sounds of it, Michael. So no, I wasn't. I was not too late, but it was just one of yeah. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. But there was there was so much to to take in and so much to enjoy about last night that uh, I thought. I might as well make it worth my while. I'm loving the, the wee smile on your face, Steve. It's brilliant. <laughs> Can he take it off? It's almost like I've had a late night for other reasons, but no, no, just, just the spreadsheet. Just me getting up close and personal. <laughs> He's glowing. Um, well, you know, um, these things um, don't ever happen, as, as I'm sure you'll probably tell us, Steve. So um, you've got to make the most of them when they come along. Um, Stu, obviously in a hotel, are you, are you okay? How are you? I am safe. I am safe, and uh, all precautions have been taken by the hotel, I believe, oh, um, okay. to ensure my safety. So I'm happy about that. But I'm also delighted at watching that last night. Now, the season that I was the commentator, there was a game where we beat Forest 5-1, and it had three like amazing, amazing goals. We spoke after it, Michael, outside the ground, and I remember saying like, goals that could grace any arena, blah, blah, blah. 
for the first time last night, I felt that got beaten as a Norwich City memory of watching the team for me. And I, to be honest, because of my own personal involvement with the other game, I never thought that would happen. I never thought I'd watch a game where I thought, do you know what? We've been even better than that Forest game. And we were. like, uh, and, and that's even including my bias for the Forest game because I, I was obviously commentating upon it. That was unbelievable last night. Like genuinely unbelievable. The first half, even in the second, the way we kind of controlled the game and still went forward. And obviously there wasn't as many goals, but I, I mean, it was it was delicious. It was like you were actually sitting there pretty much salivating watching the team play. It was amazing. Which we're now going to do in, in audio form. Um, just before we get stuck properly into what happened last night, um, let me say that you can right now subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 per month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around. They probably all had loads of sleep, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. Uh, so go to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That is theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod. Okay, let's crack on with this week's headline act. So I think we should start off talking about Preston. No, clearly not. Um, only one place to start, obviously, um, as, as Stuart was, was teeing us up for really nicely. That is what we witnessed last night. Um, full vindication of our decision to record after the Easter programme. Imagine if we'd recorded this podcast on Monday on the back of Preston. It gone live Tuesday afternoon. Lovely job. Um, yeah. Um, so thank goodness for that. Um and in fact, this is the first April fixture that On The Ball has had the chance to talk about <laughs> so uh, ever. So there we go. Um, but we're not going to reflect on wh- where we are in those circumstances. Let re- let's reflect on on what the uh, the football um, was and told us. Uh, I um, Part of the reason why I was up so late is I got home and I watched it all again. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was um, yeah, it was probably better on second second viewing that, the, the Christmas the Christmas and crispness of the passing, especially in the first half, was just um was just something else. And clearly Huddersfield have a part to play in, in how it all panned out as well. But um Steve, where to start? Take take me through. What what you you go. What have we got? It was like Christmas, wasn't it? Was like it was like, well, like football Christmas and Easter. I don't know where to yeah, I mean where where do you begin with that? I mean I'll I'll reel off the stats in a in a bit, but one one thing that I was thinking about yesterday was um, it's kind of an odd quirk of the far career that, that we'd never scored more than four goals before um, under Farker. When we think that we'd done it twice under uh, Neil Adams and once under um, Alan Irvin, even, you know, it's, it's very strange because I, I've been thinking, I was thinking, you know, in 2018, 19 and this season that, you know, on our day, we could absolutely smash someone um, and yesterday was was that day. Um, we were helped by extremely accommodating opponents, I thought. But that's to take nothing away from the level of football that we saw. Um, it was just it was just something on a on a different level. Um, and I think it was I think there was an element of taking out the frustration of the Preston results, where we probably felt that we should have won it fairly comfortably. Um, and just everything everything going right. Um, all the goals had an element of, uh, you know, an individual doing something utterly superb. We weren't, you know, Huddersfield were bad, but we weren't gifted them. Um, and it's difficult to pick a favourite of them. And, I've, you know, I, I saw John talking about it on, on Twitter that you've almost just got to take the context away. Um, don't think about anything happening in the summer. Just enjoy that 90 minutes just enjoy that moment um the first half in particular i mean yeah what 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 can you say um other than it was pretty much perfect yeah i, I would echo those sentiments i think as well this this a bit like the man city game last season this is going to be the game that this season is remembered for this is going to be the game that people look back on it's also a game where norwich city for me have kind of put their hat in the ring it's difficult to quantify these things but that, that's among the best football that this level of the pyramid has ever seen. There can be no question of that because it was incessant but calm, incessant but controlled, incessant but beautiful. 
like it doesn't matter how many cracking chocolate eggs you or your children have got this Easter. That's the most delicious thing you'll have witnessed, like, um, or tasted, I suppose, metaphorically speaking. Have you, if you had breakfast, you've said delicious twice now. I just feel like you've have you, you missed out on that. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, 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 I'm sticking to a particular diet at the moment, so <laughs> there's been no Easter for me. So maybe that's factoring in to, to what I think of things. Um, however, I just genuinely... You're right, Steve. It's weird that under Farker we've never had that. We had so many games under Alex Neal where we scored like barrel loads of goals. But the other aspect yesterday was, and don't get me wrong, Huddersfield were obviously pretty poor, but the the element of control that we showed and the fact that the team just looked structured, even though we were playing that beautiful attacking football, there was still a structure and a backbone to it, a bit like in the podcast where we spoke about the way the midfielders fill in and stuff and the, the types of passes that they do. I think that was great to see. And then for the, for the last of the goals, you've got Max Ahrens playing a free role in the left wing. And I'm like, or Max Ahrens, pardon me, right, playing a free role in the left wing. And I'm just thinking that this is mental. This is mental. Cafu wouldn't even do that. The Norfolk Cafu wouldn't even do that. So, aye, it's just like, still kind of, it's like that kind of sort of after the event, you're just like, like, did, did I just see that? Is that real? Like, there's almost that kind of sense of suspended disbelief after this. But as John said, you're right, Steve. Just drink it in. Just enjoy it. I think Ben said something similar last night. Just drink this team in. Just drink this moment in. We might lose some of these players or, or they might move on. But the, what a vintage of Norwich City this is. It's got to be up there with the greatest teams we've ever had. Emmy and Tamu should look at each other and think we, we should have another go at the Premier League here together because <laughs> you don't know if you'll get a combination like that again. Um, and I, I've, I've felt this, the most disappointing thing about Norwich's relegation actually was that whether we would get another, whether they would get a second go at it because you feel like they're all quick learners and you feel like if they got a second go, it would be really interesting to see what they could do with that. Um so, but yeah, and we're not going to reflect on that. And I've had a lot of people come up to me saying, look, you just got to enjoy it. And I think half of them are afraid of what it's going to be like next season already. I mean, it's, you have teams that are too good for the championship and, and not good enough for the Premier League. But I mean, Norwich seem to be taking that to literal extremes at the moment, given their results over these two seasons. What really impressed me, I thought last night, was the 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 incredible intensity that they sustained for 90 minutes you know they were still chasing and harrying Huddersfield out of possession in the 89th minute they were still swearing at the line the assistant referee because they weren't getting a throw in Daniel Varka was obviously still coaching Andrew Omabemadeli five minutes after the final whistle had gone when the guy's like can I just get in and celebrate please boss I mean I, I know I, there's always a little bit of Daniel Parker where I'm just like, yeah, you kind of know that the cameras are going to be on you here. And this doesn't <laughs> look bad, does it? If you're doing this right here, right now, but in fairness to him, he also did it on the pitch um, in preseason for Sam McCallum as well. So it's not like he it's the first time he's ever done it. Um, but I think that, and just how ruthless they were uh, last night just makes you think that they could, they, they already are basically up there amongst the best teams that have played in the championship in the last 22, 21 years. Um, and if, if they maintain that hunger, then they could do any sort of thing come the end of the season. You know, no wonder Reading are tweeting going, oh, no, they're not going to beat 106 points. Great. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you have that. That's fine. Um, so um, it will be really interesting to see how they, how they do uh, deal with things. But um, the goals, yeah, the goals are just remarkable. I mean, in terms of how they how they put them together. So impressive and so, and so much quality. And I think Huddersfield got caught trying to press initially, which they did quite well in the first five, 10 minutes. They sort of cut down quite quite decent angles and Norwich had to really think about how they were getting around them. The problem is when they did get around them, there were oceans and they just overran them completely. And I think Emmy Buendia's goal where you've got the space that Tim and Pookie and Emmy were given sort of 25 yards from goal just kind of emphasised the, the rock and the hard place that Huddersfield were, were stuck between at that point. Have you got a favourite goal? Have you guys? I was going to ask that. Yeah. I swore out loud and then wrote down my swearing on Twitter as I was watching back the game. Um, and I let people guess which goal it was. Um, it was the second goal actually, because, and it was, it was incredible live because the pass, the pass was just the, I, you just know when something is happening. And I mean, while it's playing out and you can almost f foresee it, the weight 
distance and angle of that pass just allows Temu to run straight directly on goal. And then his finish is something else. Just, but, you know, that, that doesn't even then consider what Kieran Dowell and Emmy then did for the for the fifth or Todd's finish, which was superb. And I'm now just going to rattle off all of the goals, obviously, because Max Aaron's pass, Aaron, Max Aaron's pass for Hugill's goal. All of it. Mm-hmm. Todd's was actually my personal favourite, but you're right about that Emmy pass because it's almost like it's like a shot you would see at the Masters. And then the other thing is you can kind of imagine like the chariots of fire music playing as it sort of goes in slow motion, you know. <laughs> like um that that would be that I mean it was the variety as well. Like although they all kind of fitted within the identical style at the same time, if you see what I mean. So there was there was almost like a synergy, but they were all a bit different as well. And I, I just think that was amazing. But I I, I would I would give it to Todd's, but I don't know if I'm kind of giving him the nod because I think that was probably his best game for Norwich last night. He was excellent, yeah. That that goal, Pookie's second goal, reminded me a little bit of the um, when he scored against QPR two years ago, I think the pass wasn't, it was a little bit more agricultural. It was still a good ball from Zimmerman down the channel. That game, incidentally, was also the 40th game of that season, as as um, last night's was of this season. So, a bit of a symmetry there. My favourite was, um, my favourite was the fifth one. I just thought the, the interplay between Dowell and Wendy had to be absolutely spot on. Um, Wendy's first touch on the chest was, you know, because that he made that look easy because that's what Emmy does. He does make those things look easy, but it, it wasn't. Um, and then to have the the sort of the the foresight uh, to pick out Dow when he could have shot was was just incredible. But as Stu says, they're all very different. It was a bit like they were kind of playing the greatest hits, really, because you had Skip's involvement in the penalty as well. Just when you think, you know. He's not quite normally we were all raving about him, but he had slightly took a backseat, but then he did that kind of driving run to set up the six. Yeah, it was the whole the whole thing, as as Stu says, so much variety and um the the quality of all seven goals really was was incredible. So many games this season have been decided by our in inverted commas match winners, right? And they decided the game last night and albeit in an emphatic fashion in terms of the goals and the assists and what have you. But it was the fact that all 11 bodies on the pitch at any one time were just operating at full tilt last night. That's what you had with Norwich City. And that is something special when you get an entire football team just performing at that optimum level. And and that's why it's just a case of just enjoy this, man. Absolutely right. Um, read my piece from um, uh, this morning because, you know, I stayed up late writing it. <laughs> so, you know, it'd be nice if you did. Um, but that, as I said, emphasises where Norwich fit in in terms of teams that basically finished with 100 points pretty much. And also a few other little details in there. Um, I mean, it was, I think, the fourth anniversary of Stuart Weber taking charge on the day of the game. Um, his oh, first, to celebrate. Oh, well, his first game as sporting director was the 7-1 win over, over Reading um, when Norwich was 6-1 up at halftime. Um, so, yeah, all, all fairly um, remarkable in terms of uh, t- tying things together. Do you want to launch into some stats, Steve? I need some stats. I need a stats. Well, and also, actually, it, just, just to go back to that as well, and again, talking about the 40th game, the 40th game of that season was a 3-0 loss to Huddersfield when, again, uh, under Alan Irvin, we got absolutely dismantled by them. Um, but, yeah, in terms of in terms of the num- a few of the numbers on that, this one, it was a biggest league win for 59 years. First time we've been uh, 5-0 up at halftime for 95 years. Um, it's the first time that three players have got a goal and an assist, those three players being uh, Campwell, Pukki and uh, Buendia before half-time for Norwich City this century. And the first time they've uh, three players have got a goal and an assist in the same game. And thanks for teaming me up for this one, Stu, since the 5-1 against Forest, um, when it was Jacob Murphy, Wes Houlihan and Johnny Housen. Um, Pukki moves into the top 10 all-time goal scorers with 66 and uh, Buendia is now outright third for assists this century, moves ahead of McVeigh, just behind uh, Wes and Hux. Um, Andrew Omobamadele had the biggest debut win ever at Carrow Road. Um, <laughs> That's going to take some beating, goals. that one. <laughs> and um, so I have a look at poor old Richard Stearman, uh, who oh. was <laughs> hooked at half-time and also was at fault for the goal at uh, in the away game this season he played nine games at Carrow Road he hasn't been on the pitch for all of them but in those nine games his teams have conceded 25 and he's lost seven out of nine so hopefully <laughs> so, sorry I've got to laugh poor guy man 
Might be the last time we see him at Car Road, dare I say. And and Richard Keogh, I would imagine. I think it might, might have been a few careers ended yesterday, maybe at this level. They were so bad, though. I, I like you look at that. Though. I, I mean, we didn't make it easy for them, but I know we've complained about teams kind of coming here and sitting back and making it difficult. They just did not make it difficult for us at all. And that third goal, it were, there was acres of space for Pukin Wendia. So um, yeah, I mean, I won't dwell on the negative, but. Um, they were pretty awful. I Richard Keogh's face, which to use a shooting stars reference, was somewhat like a simmering gardening jacket or something like it was. It was, it was just it was something else, man. Like when when you saw it, and there was a level of disbelief among the Huddersfield players as well. They were like, "Is is what's getting on here, man?" Because even though they weren't at it, like I think I think the, the sheer force and ferocity in Norwich City took took them aback as well. Well, let's be let's be fair. I think we've all been saying that. Someone was going to be on the end of a hiding at some point. So uh, there it is. Um, I don't think there's anything more we could possibly say other than, you know, I, I will probably be keeping it on my my little telly box um, because I don't think they bring out DVDs anymore. <laughs> but uh, but there we go. I'm sure the, the highlights will be replayed um, many a time. Uh, go read the piece. And I reckon it's time for us to move on to things we are not going to talk about. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Now, uh, these are the things that have happened and uh, deserve acknowledgement, but uh, we're only going to acknowledge them by stating how we are not going to talk about them. And obviously they've been completely overshadowed. Um, Makes sense? Good. Um, We only have three minutes to do it as well. So please cue the dramatic music producer, Ollie. Right then. Uh, This week I'm not going to talk about, and you can chime in guys, um, Preston. (laughs) Norris Drew, because he did a last minute goal. Um, as Timu Pukki said himself, uh, he probably should have had a hat trick then as well. Uh, and I think he was quite angry when it when it um, uh, when the equaliser went in in the last minute. I felt a little bit for for Bali Mumba and and Andrew Bamadeli and that. But uh, there you go. Um, I, you know, Frankie McAvoy um, was sort of um, exuding in the post match press conference. He's on for ages and ages, talking as if it was like some sort of tactical masterclass. But then they did go and win in Swansea. So maybe maybe he is a tactical genius. Who knows. Frankie's a lovely man. I, I had the pleasure of speaking to him quite a bit when he was uh, obviously part of the staff here, and um, I, I found him to be a lovely fella. Just in reference to the pressing game, I'm not going to talk about Andrew Omobamadeli because I think he showed great character to bounce back from what must have been disappointing after a really strong debut with the way that sort of equalising goal went in. And I think he looks the real deal for all that Daniel Farker felt he needed a sort of after-school detention um, following a 7-0 win. He looks, he looks like he's got that kind of ability just to read the game and anticipate where things are going to go, step forward when he needs to step forward and drop off when he needs to drop off. I, I think it's really, really good to, to, to have another one coming through that just looks like a fantastic prospect. I mean, I didn't think I didn't think Preston were much better than Huddersfield, I have to say, to be honest. And um, I, I thought I thought Andrew's performance yesterday was outstanding um, and, and more impressive than, than his debut. Steve, what are you not going to talk about? Well, I, I was going to I was going to just continue on my Bamadali point. Um, I I think agree. He's been absolutely brilliant, um, and for an 18-year-old, quite incredible. I I think for me, the Watford game is the one where he will potentially come up against Dini, Gray, Jao Pedro. They normally play two up top, don't they? So um, that'll be the one where I think he'll because I don't think he's really had a proper test yet. Preston threw a few up, um, but I think I think that Watford game will be the one. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, as far as that pressing game goes, it was frustrating. But I, it was more I felt for the two young lads. I think Mumba was slightly at fault for that equalising goal. Um, 
in terms of in terms of our promotion aspects, though, and with what we're dropping points against Borough, I, I don't think it will make any difference in the long run. Beyond, we should have won that game. <laughs> yeah, it all went so well after Good Friday. It was remarkable. That completely teed up the the, the result on Tuesday night. Uh, so we don't have to talk about the international break and and people walking around like zombies. Um, but you can read that piece on the Athletic uh, too. Or Emmy being kicked. He was literally kicked off the puck. And then what did he do? He starts against Huddersfield. So fair play to Emmy because he had blood all over his ankle, according to Daniel Farker. So it was um, not you know I don't mind teams can try and kick someone off the puck. What he needs the referee then to deal with that properly. Um, and he didn't. Um, uh, Grant Hanley hit 100 appearances. Um, the remarkable way for him to sign off. Is that, that is that just like in this sort of last month of football? Because he's, <laughs> um, he's played an incredible amount of football, and I think I think that has to be acknowledged. Like a lot of these players are really going above and beyond in terms of what they're putting their bodies through this season, just because of the condensed COVID calendar um, across football. So, aye, fair fair play to them. And can, can I can I not talk? Oh, sorry. I'm just I'm just going to say while we're on Hanley that he may well be playing at Wembley in June, right? I mean, there's yeah. a fair, fair chance now. I would think. Aye, of course he will. Um, he'll start. Kenny will be on the bench. Would be my um, anticipation. And I look forward to Scotland's three 0 victory or seven 0 in that game. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to talk about how cool Daniel Fark is because, like, his whole he gave me a whole new branch. See, when I was young, right, and I used to play football manager, I used to sit in my room with my arms folded and then gesticulate really big when we we scored the goal. But now he's given me a new sort of modus operandi that I could employ if I do that again, where it's like that understated, we're winning 7-0, but you know what? I'm cool. I'm not going to taunt the opposition with my celebrations. I hope so I, I hope uh, you're sitting in your living room in a massive coat. <laughs> really hot. <laughs> um, well, I've mu- got a scarf on. You have got a scarf on, that's true. Uh, the music has stopped. Um, the only other thing I think I had written down, Christoph Zimmerman's fitness. I mean, uh, for all of Andrew Obama, Delhi's opportunity, that is um, fairly awful timing for Christoph that his hamstring goes just at the time when Norwich needed him, obviously with Ben Gibson being out. So uh, feel for him. Um, but that's my list. Anything else? I've got one more. Go on. Daniel, Daniel Farkas' gratuitous use of the word dirty in his post-match spreadsheet conference because he has a dirty tapping and a dirty 1-0 win. And I'm, I'm liking that. I'm liking that adjective coming to prominence through our boss. I mean, for, for him to go onto Sky and say that he'd have taken a dirty tap-in from 30 inches, I just thought was ridiculous. But there we go. Outstanding. Um, Dave? Well, just to say on Zimmerman, yeah, bad timing for him. I think probably good timing for us in a way, because I don't think it's going to affect the season. But I think what it does do is show that there is a need to bring in a centre-half. Um, and if, if we weren't thinking that before, then I would suspect we, we probably are now. So just to bolster the ranks ahead of the, what will be a Premier League season next year. I will uh, give you a hallelujah after that point. Well said. Um, hey, hey, by the way, just um, on it's going to be a Premier League season next year. I was the first guy to say that and I got pilloried for that on this yeah. podcast. Sorry, but I've been saying it for months. Sorry, you did also say that Brentford were going to run away with the title a couple of months ago. So I retracted that. I retracted that soon after. I retracted that soon after. I just watched them pummel Middlesbrough. So I, but... Um, I, I admit that I was wrong in that one. But also, it's good to see people actually comfortable with saying Norwich are going to go up. Are we going to win the title, lads? Well, look, ha- hands up. I was asked before anyone kicked a ball in the championship this season where Norwich were going to finish, and I said they'd win the thing. So uh, if we're going to have that argument, good I win boy. it, thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can good find man. that on social media. Enjoy it. Um, right, I reckon we uh, rattle on through to Centrefold. Uh, what I wanted to do here is just flag up my piece on the Talk Norwich City guys and their watch-alongs because um, I wrote that. I can't really... All the games have merged into one, but I think I wrote that during the international break. Um, so I clocked some of what they did for the Blackburn game. I think I popped on. In fact, I've popped on a few times now, um, like some weird gate crasher. Um, and then wrote the piece. And uh, obviously, they went to Preston as well. But um these guys, uh, the reason I wrote it is because for weeks uh, it was becoming more and more apparent the better the Norwich season was going on. Um, that these guys were doing, they weren't just covering the games or doing something that fans' channels do, Steve. They were doing something that was actually offering, it was filling the gap for fans who weren't getting to games. They couldn't take their season ticket up. They, they were watching the games, but they weren't feeling part of you know, the crowd. And fair play to Jack Reeve and, and Chris Reeve because they've, they've created something 
um, with a bit of chemistry that that sort of given that feeling to supporters, which I think with the way the season has been, has almost been it's been priceless, really, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And um, I can't, what were the numbers? There's something like, something ridiculous, isn't it? Is it like 15,000, 16,000 yeah. uh, watched yeah. yesterday? Um, and I think what they're giving people is is almost like that match day experience without being in the ground. Um, I have to say, I haven't kind of consumed it during the game myself because it, it's not the way that I would choose to watch football. However, I've seen the clips after the game and and it it looks it looks like a lot of fun and they're two really nice lads that you know they've 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 both been on this podcast. Um, I feel really old actually because I was just <laughs> watching them. <laughs> I just feel like they've got so much life in them and so much excitement that I I just can't match it. Um, uh, but I think I think we might have all been on their show and they're 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 lovely lads and they they do. I think they, the the enthusiasm that they bring really speaks to a lot of people. And I think it's, it's just obviously the season that we've had has helped. Um, but I think the way, yeah, it's, it's just the way that they do it, really. And um, I, yeah, hats, hats off to them because I, I don't think, I think we're kind of lucky to have them in a way, really. They have raised money for a good cause in terms of the Big C as well, which is Norfolk Cancer Support Charity, which is one particularly close to my heart as well. So, um, you know, that that's a, an element and, and the way that the Norwich fans have kind of got behind that is great as well. Too. Norwich fans are special and um, that, that's too special Norwich fans to be honest there's a lot of these kind of fan content channels and stuff that loads of football clubs have but I think we're kind of unique as a football club because it's obviously the one county club the community all of that sort of thing so in terms of capitalizing on that niche they've, they, they've done they've done magnificently well as you say they're both cracking lads and they're doing it for the right reasons and what they're doing is you use the word fun Steve they're providing fun for people and um that is something that especially in these kind of times that we're living in at the moment it's, it's a priceless commodity to to bring a bit of that so as you say like hats off to them well done um and i'm really happy for them to, to to have had the success and to have built up the following that they have done and you're right michael it kind of it brings somewhat of the match day experience back for people. And that's that's a fabulous thing. So good on them. And I think people will, will miss it when eventually people, uh, those lads are, are taking their seats back in the Barclay again, you know? Indeed. They say in the piece that they're going to potentially carry it on or thinking they might carry it on for away games. Uh, yeah, I think if there was games they can't get tickets for and you know, maybe games that feel like they're a long way away, we don't exactly know what next season's going to look like at the moment, of course. So so we will see the the, op- the option is there. They're also planning a 24-hour watch-along, although quite what everyone's going to be watching during those 24 hours. I don't know, but that's going to be to raise the money for the Big C. You know what? Come on, boys. I said that to them. If I'm not invited on, you've got a whole 24 hours. That's basically rude, isn't it? We should all have our own slots. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we should all be on it. All the on the ball guys, come on, we, we need to fill stuff. Maybe it'll be meta. Maybe we'll be watching a watch along. Oh, um, I mean, I'm pretty good at gate crashing, guys. So I'll, I'll get us all in. Don't worry, <laughs> I can pull a few strings. It'll be fine. Um, read, read the piece. It's uh, it, it went up during the international break, and uh, it was a it was a privilege to write it. To be honest, and great to speak to the guys. They're top top gents, and they've got a few more games to uh, to see the job through. A bit like Norwich City. So uh, if you haven't had a look at it, then take it in. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Right then, let's cue John Motson. This is almost fantasy football. 
I, I realized um, I keep saying this section is called This is Just Like Fantasy Football, whereas actually John Motson says this is almost fantasy football. Steve, you're nodding at this point. How have you not corrected me all these well, weeks? You know, it's one of those things where, when you know, like if you get someone's name wrong, uh, or no, someone gets your name wrong and you, you almost don't have the heart to tell them. It was a bit like <laughs> it's having so many times now. It was amazing. I think I, I listened to it on the way to Preston and I was like, oh, yeah, I've been getting that wrong. <laughs> do, do you know what? Quote. I, I love one of the things I love about Steve is how different we are, right? And like that's like his sort of sense of English Kringleford sensibility there, like coming in. And I would just be like, no, that's not right, mate. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Anyway, um, this is almost fantasy football as it was basically on, on Tuesday night. Um, but what we need to do is paint a picture of the forthcoming five days, obviously, because we're recording slightly later. And then you can laugh at the uh, picture we create with the valuable gift we also supply. And that is the gift of hindsight. So uh, Norwich are away at Derby on Saturday. Um, there's no midweek game after that. So it's full focus. It's the only game in a in in the week at least for Norwich uh, I think off the top of my head Swansea are playing in midweek next week um what's going to happen at Pride Park where apparently the pitch is horrendous that's the last thing I heard also Wayne Rooney isn't playing so um he, he's officially retired so uh, he of course scored his last ever goal against Norwich um, it was a brilliant goal it was and a, a wonderful time in the game kick. yep and um they're the only team to beat Norwich at Carrow Road this season and your brilliant stat, Steve. I'm not going to read it. You need to read this stat. The one about, yeah, so uh, two and a half years since we lost to anyone in the championship that's not Derby County. We played at 37 Road. games. Yeah. At, at Carrow Road, yes, thank you. We played 37 games since then. Um, <sighs> I think, I mean, I the next three matches, right, are all against teams that we've lost to this season. And I think if, I don't know when we'll get over the line and it is a case of when and not if, but that will act as some kind of incentive, I think. I think Farker... And the players will, will certainly have a point to prove against Bournemouth and Watford. Also, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I, I, I think Derby, the only team that we played more than about three times that far, we haven't beaten under Fark. I think we played them five times and not one. So there's another there's another thing there which might act. Well, I mean, if if promotion in the title wasn't incentive enough, um, then I think that that will that will help. I, I just can't see anything. I mean, it's it. I can't see anything other than a win. I just I just can't. <laughs> I mean, I love bogey team runs. Um, I, I just think I I think they're you know they're real things. But that was proper. Uh, that was proper scratchy stuff at Carrow Road earlier in the season. I mean, that was fairly ridiculous. It was done without Emmy Buendia and Todd Cantwell. It was just before the um, summer transfer window closed. Uh, ben Godfrey was out of the building, but hadn't actually been sold. I mean, in terms of the actual situation, it was fairly um, ridiculous. But yeah, that's remarkable. I think Emmy and Todd did play in that game, didn't they? Or, or Emmy did, but it was the game after where where they'd basically been castigated by Barker, wasn't it? Because I I remember coming on after the Bournemouth game, away game. I was thinking about this yesterday. I have to check this now. Go on, um, carry on, keep talking. And, and thinking, God, we might never see those two play for us again. And now here we are with them absolutely tearing up again. It's just it's just wonderful. I'm sure play. Emmy pulled out. Um, okay, I'm, I'm preparing. I'm standing with an by injury, and I think Todd was already out. Um, and because Jordan Hugo wasn't going to be in the squad and then he ended up being on the bench, but I'm wrong. <laughs> um, because hmm. this is the right game. Um, so Emmy your memory is better than mine. Um, that's right. Yeah. Emmy did. Yeah. Emmy got, wow. There you go. Fair um, play. Uh, I, yeah, owe, I, I owe my colleague Ryan Conway uh, an apology then because I told him yesterday that Emmy didn't play. I just assumed it was the case. And of course, um, Tammy Pookie missed a penalty by slipping mm. over. I have to say, I thought at that point, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I, people were much more upbeat than me. I remember thinking after that home game, I don't know where we go from here. Farker out. Is that what you're saying, Steve? Well, Farker out. Get him out. I wasn't Job's quite. Done. I wasn't, Off you go. <laughs> wasn't quite on that bandwagon. <laughs> but I was thinking he's got to turn it around pretty quickly, um, and he did. And yeah. uh, you know, this was so great. I mean, it took, it took until the last minute of Rotherham, <laughs> but yeah, they, they were away then. <laughs> quick, quick enough. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Right. I, I think one thing that has to be acknowledged as well is Norwich City hitting their stride at the important time of the season because we've only had, uh, I think it's a couple of couple of games where we've dropped points in a draw since the defeat of Swansea, is that right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's something to be said for a team that has the mentality and the kind of fortitude to 
to make sure that when it gets to the business end of the season, they're delivering, especially when you take into account the that compounded COVID calendar that, that I've mentioned, because to to have the team delivering like that, especially when a few of them will be like tired into after international exertions is 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 quite remarkable and testament to the players, the group and the spirit that, that's been fostered there by the coaching staff and Daniel Farker. So I, I think that needs acknowledging that we should we should appreciate as well that Norwich are delivering at the time that they have to, even though there have been sort of fallow periods, short ones, albeit during the campaign. They, they happen every season. I mean, some of the it does make seasons like Reading's where they basically lost the first game and went the rest of the season unbeaten just absolutely remarkable. Um, so, yeah, uh, well, let's hope they go and oh, Derby three. Um, alternatively, they are still the bogey team <laughs> one way or the other. It's going to be it's going to be a bit of fun. Um, obviously, all anyone really cares about at the moment is permutations. I think um, how close are Norwich? Well, they are pretty close. I've got to try and remember this off the top of my head. But uh, but basically Watford play on the Friday night, which is not neither here nor there for the promo- for promotion. Um, but obviously the title race will then come into view after Norwich have got that. Um, I think then Swansea play at Millwall at half past 12. I've got this all memorized in my head, so hopefully it's right. Uh, Yeah, Swansea play at Millwall at half past 12 on Saturday. So Norwich will know that result. If Swansea don't win, then they will be, Norwich will be promoted. If Norwich win at Derby and Brentford fail to win at Preston, lucky old Brentford. So, um, and we already know that Frankie McAvoy is a tactical genius. So um, it'd be quite remarkable if he ends up taking points off Norwich and um, the points off Swansea and <laughs> Brentford to get Norwich up. What an impact that would be. Um, uh, so there we go. Uh, but of course, it might not happen, uh, is also the fact. Um, and it could be possible that Norwich then get promoted without playing in midweek because I think Swansea's game in hand is midweek. I just had a look, actually, Michael, and I, I think... Was I wrong? <laughs> well, no, 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 you, 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 I'm going to agree with you this time. Yes. <laughs> you, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but I think it looks like, and if it doesn't happen this weekend, we will. it will probably be one of those situations where we get promoted without playing because, you're right, Swansea then go to Sheffield Wednesday, and then on the following Saturday, we played Bournemouth at 8pm, and earlier that day, Brentford will have played Millwall and Swansea will have played Wickham. So unless, so I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but I think they will need to have, either Brentford and Swansea will need to have won their game, all of their games between that time us playing Bournemouth for us not to have been promoted by the time we play Bournemouth on Saturday, the 17th of April. So I reckon, I'd say, if you want me to make a prediction for the coming days, I reckon we'll be promoted not by the Derby game, but between then and Bournemouth. That is probably the key point that Brentford and Swansea are already at the point where they have to win all their games, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Mm. Is it sort of a, a bad sort of sense of entitlement that I want us to win our second consecutive in terms of years we've been in the division championship title? And it would kind of just feel a tiny wee bit hollow a wee bit if Watford were to pip us to the post for the title. Is that is that bad? I don't think it would be hollow, but I, I would be disappointed just, just because of games like last night where I, I do I haven't seen that much of Watford this season, but I do believe that we're the best team in this league and it would be a we shame are. if we weren't able to go on and, and assert our dominance. I I would also be slightly disappointed if we won, if we got promotion or won the title and then took our foot off the gas a little bit as well. I mean, the players will have earned it, but I kind of want them to go on and post a really, really strong points total. I don't know, is that asking too much? The piece I've written today sort of outlines have had that every team in this position basically has won the title. So I, I think it would take a lot for Norwich not to win the title now. But the thing that would probably bug me is if Norwich lose to Watford and Bournemouth. If, if they went through this whole season but actually got doubled by the two teams they got relegated with, that's niggly because, you know, we do know what is on the horizon and you want to see this progression. You want to see what they're doing. You know, it's no good being able to smack Huddersfield if you end up losing 1-0 at home to Palace or not being able to hold on to a lead at home to well, Sheffield United won't be there, will they? But Aston Villa, who are a better side, I don't know, whoever it is. But, Burnley. you know, all of those issues from Burnley, all of those issues from, from you know, the other season will all come back just like they do when you get relegated. So, yeah, they're the ones, really. I, I, I would almost not care if they lost to Derby 
I'd rather they then went and beat Bournemouth and Watford and both of them. I want them to prove that point. There's still a lot for them to prove, even in this situation. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would pick up on, though, is basically the way the team is set up, I think will lend itself to being better when, once we're back in the top flight next season. I, I just think I just think it's a more solid baseline that we're operating from uh, in terms of the style that we play and and really that midfield too, as, as we did in that other podcast. Maybe you can remember which podcast number it was exactly, Michael. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think I think the other thing is, and I said this like coming into the season as well, and it's, it's, it looks like judging by sort of recent games consistency and last night obviously is a kind of cherry on top of everything it looks like those younger players that we we thought would benefit from the extra season at championship level i'm really beginning to see the fruition of that in terms of just the level of consistency in todd's game for example todd cantwell I think bodes really well going into next season. Um, obviously, on the on the proviso that we, we we do keep him going into next season. Max Aarons is has been operating at a really good level for a long time, but I, I think is continuing to to excel. And there's various young players you could point to around the the squad. Then you've obviously you mentioned Emmy and Timu Puki earlier on, Michael. I just think the ingredients are there to have a much a much better season going up and the Hanley Gibson thing as well could be big if they can both stay fit. I think that's a strong enough central defensive partnership in the Premier League and two players that will be keen to show that they really, really can do a good job at Premier League level because Gibson's obviously will be hungry from his time not really getting a chance and for Grant it's been kind of fits and starts at times and and maybe not really sort of played as part of a solid Premier League team. So I think all of these factors are just kind of combining to make me think Norwich City are going to make a much, much better fist of it next season. Just one final quick point. Um, I think I think it's a case of like once bitten, twice shy, because I think if we hadn't had that season two years ago, we'd all be talking about next year like, oh, yeah, we don't just have to think about staying up. We could finish in mid-table. And actually, when you look at the teams that have had the kind of record that we've had, let's say we do go on and post near 100 points, a lot of them have, and I know the gap has got bigger and bigger and bigger, but a lot of them have gone on to do what you talked about. Reading, they finished seventh the year after. Wolves got 99 points and finished in the top half a few years ago. Um, There's a Fulham team. <laughs> Leicester took an extra year, but then won the Premier <laughs> But, but yeah, two two years from now, we will be talking about a Premier League victory. Absolutely. Um, so I, I kind of think we would probably be looking at that level were it not for two years ago. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating next season. I'm, I'm so, I hope we're back in the ground. I'm so much looking forward to it. I'm sure there will be. And I think um, what will happen is this time players will be arriving and it won't be all, oh, they've got this potential and they're this and that. It'll be like, you know what, guys, you, you got to deliver now. If you're Premier League players, you've got to prove you're there and and prove you can play in a team that deserves to stay there as well. But uh, I feel like we're going to have weeks and weeks and weeks to talk about this over the coming weeks. But Stu, did you want to say something? No, like, yeah, you actually kind of cut me off well because I was just going to say, like, where do you add to the team? It's really hard to, to work out, like, what, what positions you, you really look to supplement with better quality. And in terms of the first 11 anyway, um, like... I'm fairly happy with what we've got, to be honest. Like, <laughs> nope. I'd, like I'd like a bit no, more. No, no, but... no. Three or four better players, although they would probably argue that they've already recruited two in terms of Gibson That's and Yanulis. Um, mm-hmm. But you so... know, another striker, another centre-back. Um, you're going to need to replace Ollie Skip unless Ollie Skip stays. That's the big one, I for me. There we go. We'll, we'll start the debate here. Um, and we haven't even got promoted yet. Amazing scenes. Right, in that case, I think... Uh, we're done. So thank you, everyone. Have yet to uh, subscribe via your podcast player of choice. Make sure you do. It's freely available, the podcast, on your usual player and ad-free for subscribers of The Athletic via our app. Leave a review or rating if you get the chance. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey is the handle. In the meantime, a big thank you to our guests tonight. They were Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thanks very much, Michael. Thank you, Stu, top man. Thank you, Michael, and thank you, everyone. We'll be back next week at the usual time for another On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger.
and we're clear hooray uh, can i go to bed now are we all done <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mate. i mean we can even go to the point that i can make you sleep if i go look into the eyes look in the eyes don't look around the eyes don't look around the eyes you're under it's gonna actually um, hypnotize me <laughs> i wonder about i wondered how you ended up on all these podcasts too i think that's it i think that's it ah that's that's not me like this it's definitely not for the chat no no that's welcome everyone to wit's end um welcome all you twitters out there hope you're all safe and well and in seventh heaven which is um obvious the pun or seven up and anyway, i'm really struggling for original seven puns could you've just done a seven like you know lend yeah yeah um, what my, my question is, what's Stephen Whitaker doing this morning? Like, I wonder, like, he's a great question. Whitaker's I don't know if I've got the answer. Like, Where actually is he? What, like, um, he's up probably north. Scotland. Aye, yeah, Scotland. But, see, when you say up north, that makes me think up oh, north, right? Like, but like beyond Hadrian's Wall, above and beyond Gretna Green, beyond the wall. Aye. I feel like, as the sort of unofficial Stephen Whitaker fan club, we should probably know a bit more about. Stephen Whitaker. If anyone, if anyone wants to let us know, uh, if anyone can do our scouting for us, that'd be good. He's uh, playing for Dunfermline Athletic at the moment. Ooh, fine club, uh, fine club. Um, either pars, yes, and I'm sure he'll be playing under par. <laughs> no, that's harsh. Um, <laughs> I have to make contact somehow. I. Well, you, you talk talking as if it's like an alien sort of uh, oh. invasion. Like, let's make contact. I know. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, anyway, if, if, if uh, welcome to Wits End, everyone. Um, I'd already said that. I can't remember. Um, if uh, if you're stumbling stumbling across this and my words for the first time, mm-hmm. and wondering what's going on, then listen to podcast number forty-two, which went live on September the eighth. It's all explained there. You can email this part of the pod directly with the email address Twitter K E R S Twitterkers at iCloud.com, or use the hashtag Twitterkers on twitter just to don't, don't explain the secret club obviously just say away and stick the hashtag on and away you go um it was lovely to have charlie and callum on last week who've done so much for wits end um so that was grand um and i have actually found on the outstanding twitterkers.co.uk I, I have found callum on there i think um if you zoom out on it uh zoom out on the web page um you can uh you can see him i think on the far left basically shouting with a scarf in hand uh, this is from Todd Campwell's goal against Manchester City uh, Paul Chesterton is there smiling while taking the photo which is great to see and oh. um, Wait a minute. Ben, Am- ben Ambrose I think who, who does um, the videos for um, one of the Norwich fan channels so Talk Norwich I think it is or Norwich Talk no Norwich um, Talk yeah he's, uh, he's there looking well it's just a brilliant expression actually so um, he's down in the bottom mm. right I don't know if he knows that he's in this picture, but he should do because he looks he looks wonderful. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, that's if you zoom out of the big of the big image on uh, the twitterkers.co.uk website. There's also a gif of the week, which seems to be someone doing Italian or chef's fingers, which is how I started my video verdict last night. Nailed that one. Um, saved that for the uh, for the right right game, which was a seven nil thrashing. Obviously, you got away with that one, didn't you? That was um, but couldn't couldn't have picked a better game for it, really. I know. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm in the the Todd, not in that photo, but I'm, there's definitely one where I'm celebrating in the background when Todd scores against Man City. So maybe I sit near, which is it, Callum or oh. Charlie? Uh, that is Charlie, I think. Okay. Yeah, that so. is Charlie. Um, this is a good question. Have we inadvertently appeared in any photos? So, at, um, so a crowd of thirty six thousand at Cardiff for the playoff final in 2002, um, the Eastern Daily Press, Pinkham, put in, a, put in out a special photo supplement. And there was one little oval picture just of me in my yellow and green farmer's cap with my arm up in the air. I've got it somewhere. Brilliant. Yeah. Remarkable. Um, I've, got a, I've got a good one of those, actually. Um, I was in the background on Match of the Day, the away game at QPR, um and the Lambert season. Can you remember the it was the game when Bradley Johnson went to the darts afterwards yes. and got Joey Barton sent off and then put yeah. Barton your smells. Um <laughs> and it was when Barton scored and I was looking glum and I was standing next to my friend in the away end who was 
doing something rather more obscene in terms of a gesture. Amazing. It was all caught on the on the by BBC cameras. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of my good in the background. But there must be some good examples of um, people listening who have spotted themselves in uh, you know at Norwich City Games, maybe at a famous moment who could who could maybe share their pictures with us. Have you got? Yeah, this is exactly it. Have you have you got that picture, Steve? I think I did take a picture of it. That'll do. But it's on Match of the Day, so I have to go back and. They don't do old match of the days, so they don't like archive them. Screen so. grab, screen grab. I'll see if I can find it for you, Michael. But I'll try and find my one from Cardiff. Um, I know that the the goal from the League Cup win at Bournemouth when they were in sort of 1998 or something like that, and Norwich were playing in white. Um, me and my mate are running down the terrace as Norwich scored um, in our kits, which we always refer to. It's like when that video comes out on Rewind Norwich City or uh, if anyone else publishes it. So that's always a good one. Happy days. You get some good stuff in that account, to be fair, as well. Um, I enjoy watching it. It's a good one. I know we plug the website quite often, but um, I think the, the Twitter account as well, like um, I'm just going to say Callum or Charlie, um that runs that one so there's some really good stuff on there so i really do think um i know you do this every week michael but but genuinely genuinely i think people should if you don't follow it already then you definitely should give them Um, yeah definitely so um there's emmy other business which is callum as we now know because they've been outed um uh now if you if you look up emmy other business it should it should come up i haven't got the exact handle in front of me and then callum is at ncfc twitterkers but his is whitaker uh, with a T at the start and an S at the end. So NCFC to Whitaker, as in Stephen, <laughs> because you can't have the word Twitter in a Twitter handle, which is what Callum found out. So, or, 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 or Charlie, who knows, but it, that's what happened. So yeah, give those two guys a follow. Can, they I, um, that. can I pose a quick quiz question? Yes, please. Um, I think that Frankie McAvoy was the fourth former Norwich City assistant manager to then go on and manage against us. Um, oh. can you name the other three and also well I, i'm only i'm going back sort of 40 50 years i have no idea who assistant managers were before then uh but that none of them have ever beaten us um <laughs> one of them also managed us uh and then managed against us um and the other two have both been in the last sort of they've all been this century the other two have been in the last sort of 12 15 years are you counting Alan Irvin? No, they have oh. to have managed against us since. So Alan Irvin right. managed against us before, um, right. okay. as did Doug Livermore. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've, I feel like this is one I'd have a chance at without, with more than two hours sleep. At the moment, my <laughs> brain's going, what a great question. Uh, um, yeah, so let's leave it to the listeners and they can all stew right. on it. And then um, we'll, we, can, we can get the answers in, um, in next, next week's Wits End. Mm-hmm. Shoes stewing on it as well. Like yeah. I, I genuinely can't think of anybody at the moment. I feel like we're all in a post seven nil lull now. I think it's all caught up on us, and we're all like, Oof. apart I from mean, Steve, who's obviously you like, both look like seven nil lull right now. Let's listen to the guy sort of having it large because he's having a week off. What right. like, oh, we, wow. we, we're suffering. We're suffering. It's kind of like that kind of post coital thing, isn't it? Like just. <laughs> well, I think on that note it seems worthy of ending the podcast, even wit's end. I'm um, so happy. I tell you what, no, tell you what, let's, Charlie. Um, so Charlie Bokeh, I've been saying, I'm going to read your email and then not do it. Yes, so I've been I, waiting I, for this. I think, I think I have to read it this week, don't I? Because that's, otherwise that's yeah, just, yeah. Um, that's just not very fair. So um, get all your emails in, by the way. Um, Twitterkers at iCloud.com. We'll, we'll read them out. We're welcome to receive suggestions and topics, whatever you want. Here's Charlie. Hello, Michael and co. And my two underrated players. So this was players that you felt were underrated and deserve more. Were Michael Turner and Anthony Pilkington. One of the main reasons we were relegated under Chris Hewton was because Michael Turner pulled his hamstring due to a puddle at Selhurst Park. Now, I don't remember the puddles involved. But that's amazing. I want to know more about that. Um, And we replaced him with Joseph Yobo. 
another one of the uh, forgotten moments um, for the last four months of the season. Uh, regarding uh, Pilkington, he was fantastic in 2011-12. He really was. Uh, I think he scored eight goals, uh, more than Campwell last season. Uh, and then seemingly under Shooton, we could only win away if he had a good game. Stoke away seems to be the pertinent one in his memory. Um, I also liked that he was two-footed, could take a free kick and score that great header against Manchester United. Do you know what? If, if Anthony Pilkington could have stayed fit, um, uh, he, he would have been a regular Premier League player, I think, because he had such good quality in both his feet. You're exactly right. Uh, final point is that Alex Tetty is still underrated. Him and Johnny Houston held the team together for years, and Tetty was still doing it last year. That is Charlie's email. Charlie, I'm so glad I finally got to read it out, and what a great email that is, by the way. He's spot on. Like, I, don't, I don't actually disagree with any point he makes there, so um, good man, Charlie, and nice to hear from you, mate. Yep. Um, two right. Keep uh, your emails coming in. Um, I, I promise that they won't take three months for me to read. <laughs> Honest. I promise that that's a, that's a Michael Bailey promise. Um, but I think we're done now. We haven't got any other business. Um, although I still want a song for Ollie Skip. Maybe, maybe you'll need to sing it next season. Who, who knows? Uh, thanks everyone for listening as always. Take it easy and we'll see you very soon. The Athletic. <laughs>